Hi, this is Matthew Gatosi from the future. Before you jump into this awesome podcast episode, I want you to know that some things have changed around here since this episode was published. This show was called How to Build an Audience, and now it's called How to Market Your D2C Brand. The setup is the same, but we now have more of a focus on who we are talking with and what we are actually talking about. So if you're confused, hopefully that clears it up. Lastly, we also changed our company name from Gutozi Collective to Guto Studios. A lot of rebranding has happened since season one of the podcast, but thanks so much for supporting us as we grow and change. Enjoy this podcast episode, and don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can listen to the new episodes coming out soon. Okay, thanks. Enjoy. Hey. If you love our show, How to Build an Audience, please consider giving it a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to this podcast. We are trying to help as many entrepreneurs, business owners, and creatives as possible through this podcast. And in order to build our audience, we need your help. A rating and review on Apple Podcasts bring more exposure to our show. Don't wait. I know you'll say to yourself that you will do it later, but head over to Apple Podcasts now and drop a quick review. Thank you in advance. Now... Let's get to the show. Um, And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people go through their entire lives believing that they're unworthy of the experiences that they want to create for themselves, which is a tragedy. Welcome to How to Build an Audience. We interview the top creatives, marketers, and communicators to help you become an expert at building an audience so you can grow your influence, increase sales, and effectively share your story. This show is brought to you by Gutozi Collective. Hello and welcome to the third episode of How to Build an Audience. I'm your host, Matthew Gutozi. Today I'm talking with Hayden Humphrey. Hayden is a success coach in Chicago who helps burnt-out professionals quit corporate and get paid to be themselves. He is also the host of his own podcast called Paid to Be Me. Three years ago, Hayden was working at LinkedIn when he realized he was living on other people's terms, doing what looked good or what he thought he had to do, instead of what he deep down felt a calling to do, live a life completely by his own design and support others in doing the same. After going through a 12-month certification with Accomplishment Coaching, which in the coaching world is the most rigorous coaching training in the world, Hayden has helped countless people thrive in their lives. I met Hayden through an online community, and we immediately hit it off. Anyone leaving a conversation with Hayden will agree that you not only feel more inspired, but you also have practical action steps to take to succeed. We have both shared ideas with one another about our work, and it is an honor to have Hayden on this show. In this episode, we cover Hayden's discovery of coaching. We talk about how he got his first few clients. We discuss how he stays focused on his specific target audience versus trying to be a generalist within the coaching world. We talk about how to stay consistent online to have a thriving business offline. I would love to hear what you think as you're listening to the podcast, so reach out to me, Matthew Gatosi, on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we can talk there. Now, let's talk to Hayden. So I think that the the point that I will make or the thing that I'll say about it is like, especially when it comes to coaching, 
it's it's interesting because it feels like there's this saturation of coaches where it's like oh man everyone's a coach everyone's doing some sort of coaching you know whatever it is um and i think the counterintuitive thing is that there's actually enough space for those coaches and that the world needs more coaching <laughs> like the world has not even gotten anywhere close to being saturated enough as far as people who are in service of others and are really focused on supporting people in accomplishing more, breaking down their own internal barriers and like really creating something that's unique and authentic to them. Um, that kind of service I think is incredibly important and valuable. And I think, you know, granted there's some stuff to say around who calls themselves a coach because technically coaching is an unregulated industry. And so I, you know, there are a lot of people who call themselves coaches who aren't necessarily trained as coaches and what they're doing isn't necessarily coaching. It's more consulting or mentoring. Um, but when it comes to professionally trained coaches who are, uh, working with other people and serving other people, I think that there's a ton of opportunity. Um, and I think what we'll see as time goes on and, and as coaching becomes, you know, more and more mainstream, as people start to actually understand, like understand the nitty gritty of what happens in a coaching relationship, there will be more and more people who start to work with coaches. And I think it's going to get even more niche. Like there's, I have, I am imagining there's going to be like play coaches. There's going to be freedom coaches. There's going to be time coaches. Like there's going to be all different, you know, types of coaches. Um, and uh, so that, you know, that that's what I would say. And for me, like what really, what inspired me to do it is I have been pretty fortunate in that I'm a, a, a more introspective and reflective person anyways. Uh, and so when I started to realize that there was an opportunity for me to actually directly impact and support other people and coming to the same realizations that I came to, I jumped all over it. I was like, holy shit, like I get to go in and actually support people in overcoming the obstacles that it took me a long time to work through by myself. And I can go in and, you know, directly support them to overcome it so much more quickly. Um, and I, and I think that the shortening that time frame or that the amount of time that they're spending there is important because it just means that they have more time to live their life in a way that's more open, more authentic, more transparent. Um, and to me, that's, that's really valuable work. And so, you know, that's really what inspired me to get into it. Who wouldn't want to walk out on their job just to start their own business? It sounds glamorous and maybe social media makes it sound easy, but it is not. I wanted to know how Hayden started getting paid to be him. Yeah, great question. So there's two two stories that I'll share. So one is the first client um, or how I went getting about work right after I left my full-time job. And then the second is how I got coaching clients after I um, went through training. So the first piece was after I left my full-time job, I actually didn't know that coaching was the thing that I wanted to focus on. Um, I was just ready to get out of corporate. I was get I was ready to like get out of having a full-time job and was like, you know what? I trust that I will be able to figure it out as I as I go along. And so I gave myself like a two month sabbatical. I like didn't really do anything for like two months. And then I just got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm getting kind of bored and I need to like start to make money. So the the way that I started looking for clients was literally on Craigslist. I went on Craigslist and I was like, what of these part-time jobs and these gigs that are listed on Craigslist and these like other job boards that are similar to Craigslist, like what seems interesting? And so I took on some like copywriting work. I took on some freelance marketing work. I 
took on some like social media management work. Um, and it was interesting because I just started experimenting with all these things. And I finally did a paid photography gig that I found on Craigslist. It was like 75 bucks or like 65 bucks for an, enge for an engagement uh, photo shoot. It was like a proposal. And I went down to Navy Pier and like set up and took pictures and, uh, you know, without the people knowing. Um, and that was like the that was like the first paid photography gig that I had. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. I love this. And what ended up happening was I was finding more stuff on Craigslist, but then what I also started to do concurrently was I was reaching out to people via LinkedIn and asking uh, if they knew who at their company would be in charge of um, like headshots. And normally it was like the marketing manager or the office manager or whoever it was. So I was trying to build relationships that way. One of the other things that I'll share that I think was kind of interesting was as a photographer, I was looking at how can I create opportunities to get in front of as many people as possible. And so I looked at there are a ton of co-working spaces here in Chicago that have a bunch of professionals at a bunch of different companies who likely would need headshots. So I started calling around to co-working spaces and I was like, hey, you know, my name's Hayden. I run a photography business. Um, one thing I was like, you know, I'd love to talk with you about coming in to do a headshot day where I set up in the office in like an empty office and people can have 20 minute time slots and they pay me, you know, 65 bucks for two edited headshots. And it's a win for me because I get like eight to 10 people. That's like a great day for me. And they, they win too because they get really professional photos for like 65 bucks. So that was a way that I generated clients. And then people that I worked with there would reach out to me about doing, you know, larger uh, projects for their team. Um, so it was just looking at like, how can I leverage pre-existing communities and pre-existing groups of people to provide service um, in a way that's a win-win both ways. So that was the first piece. The second piece is the coaching. So how I got my first couple of coaching clients. So the first client that I ever got came about as a referral. So I, one of the things that we were encouraged to do in my coaching program was reach out to people in our network that knew and trusted us and ask them who they knew, uh, either if they were interested or who they knew that might be interested in getting supported in the way that I was being trained to support people as a coach. And so I have a good friend here in Chicago, good colleague, and I reached out to him and asked him who he knew. He connected me with someone else. We ended up really clicking and I worked with his referral, the person he had referred me to um, for a couple of months. So that was the first ever client that I got, came about as a referral. And that's an easy win, I think, because um, we all have bigger networks than we think that we do. The second client that I ever got came about as a result of me officially launching my business or like making an official announcement about the launch of my business. And so basically what I did was, and it's kind of crazy that they, that they allowed you to do this, but I downloaded my whole LinkedIn contact list and I had literally had emails for every person that I was connected with on LinkedIn. And I sent a you can't do it anymore. <laughs> they used to let you do it. Um, and I think technically it's like not allowed, but you know, anyways, I emailed my whole LinkedIn contact list and I was like, and I sent them a video of me introducing myself, my business, who I worked with and how I supported them. Um, and I also put it everywhere on social. So, and I, and I reached out to probably 30 people and asked them to reshare the video that I posted on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I think collectively it had almost like 5,000 views that video that I posted. Um, so I had a couple people reach out to me that I set up sample sessions with, that I talked with. 
Uh, and then one of the gentlemen um, ended up hiring me uh, from that video. He saw the video, reached out to me, and we started the conversation, um, and we ended up working together for for a couple months as well. So, yeah, it you know at 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 that high level, it was like referrals first, and then just like letting people know, hey, this is what I'm up to, and this is how you can work with me. Hayden puts on some cool events in Chicago, but does that bring a return for his business? Do offline connections matter more than online connections for Hayden? I think there's two things that I'll say to this. The first piece is around what you're comfortable with or what you enjoy doing. So when it comes to finding clients, the events that I historically have put on have been less focused on generating leads and more focused on generating community. Um, and the, like, when I look at how, you know, when I look at the people who hired me, it's about a 50, 50 split between referrals and people who find me on LinkedIn. So historically the way that I've approached it, um, and, you know, granted still very early stages in terms of like the events that I want to do, how I want to build them, the size that I want to build them to, you know, that sort of thing, um, haven't necessarily generated leads there or like specific people who have hired me, but I've generated community, I've generated credibility, I've generated awareness of like who I am and my brand and how I serve people and what I do. Um, you know, the other way that I think that you could go about, uh, generating leads offline is like going to networking events or going to special interest groups and that sort of thing. And that's great if that's your shtick like i'm i'm realizing for me it's not my cup of tea i'm a more introverted person anyways and i get tired very quickly when i'm out like connecting with a whole bunch of people i can do it for like short spurts but um you're like extended you know whatever it's 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 difficult um and you know it it also, I don't necessarily know if I go out to an event, like if I go up and introduce myself to somebody, I don't necessarily know whether or not they're going to be interested in working with me or know anyone that's interested in working with me, right? Like it's just a crapshoot sometimes. Um, so I think part of it is looking at like, what do you enjoy doing and what do you like doing? Um, and I think the second piece is looking at like, what's uh scalable or like where are, where are your people actually hanging out um and so i love the the offline stuff it's really fun and great the way that it's gone for me historically like has not been the best for finding clients you know maybe that'll change in the future as i continue to iterate and evolve but the part of the reason i'm so excited about doing stuff online is it's so much more scalable it is so much more scalable because i can start to put all of these systems and 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 structures and machines and automation into how I systematically go out and get in front of people and pull people into my sphere and pull people into my community and pull people into my network. Um, you know, the being able to do it online is like you have a giant, uh, you have a giant platform uh, to be able to speak to, you know, a lot of different people at the exact same time. You can do one to many so much more easily online because someone can just read content or show up to a live stream or whatever it is. And it's not like they have to get in the car and drive down and find parking and come to the event and, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, I think for me, offline has been great in terms of like getting comfortable being in front of people and talking to people. But I really see the growth of my business, you know, as being online and really focused on building out those sorts of systems. Um, and it just the thing to, to note, too, is it just takes longer. It just takes longer to, to I think, to, to build awareness online to the point where you can start consistently generating leads versus like you could go out to a networking event um, and, you know, find some people that you could serve. Um, but those would be my thoughts on it. After the break, Hayden tells us how he has found his specific target audience online that has successfully built his business. 
This podcast is presented by Gatozi Collective. We are a marketing agency in Austin, Texas that teaches entrepreneurs how to create content and market their businesses. We can do the marketing for you or teach you how to do it yourself. Are you confused about where or how you need to market your business or side hustle? We have a free course that will clarify your marketing strategy in five days that you can sign up online at our website, gatozicollective.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Niching down is the hardest part of business and audience building for most people. We see massive companies and brands doing multiple things, but they didn't start out that way. For Hayden, it took time to figure out who he was going to serve. Yeah, it's a really great question. And it's so funny because it's something that I have definitely struggled with in terms of like the content that I produce and how I talk about what I do being way too general. And, you know, it's, I think it's just the lay, it's just like a very common thing that happens for entrepreneurs. Um, It's just like the way that you go about gaining more specificity is you first get involved in the activity so that you understand, you know, you build mastery in it, you build competency in it. And it also gives you the opportunity when you start off very general to work with different types of people and different groups of people. And that actually gives you the feedback and saying, here's the kind of person that I really love serving and that I don't, you know, so much enjoy serving. Um, But I think part of it too is like, there's this fear around niching and I, I've gone through the exact same thing and I continue to, to come up against fear in terms of niching and getting more specific because it feels like, oh man, but if I talk to this one particular person, then no one else is you know, going to want to talk with me or like who, you know, who knows if those people exist or if there's enough of them for me to build a business or whatever it is. And what I'm realizing is like, it should feel really scary. Like it should get to the point where you're like, there are maybe 10 people in the world that this applies to. And that is niche enough. That is specific enough. Um, Because the reason is that there is so much noise, especially when you look at the industry of coaching, it is very heavily saturated with coaches who are all saying the exact same thing. I am connected with a ton of coaches on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and especially those who are newer, like granted, you know, you got to go through and get the repetition. So I totally understand, but it's interesting now having gone through at least some of that process of starting to clarify who I want to talk to. When I see this content, I'm like, everyone is saying literally the exact same thing. Like there's very little differentiation between what people are saying. And I'm sure you've probably seen it too. People are like, I help you create more possibilities in your life and, you know, live a life that's more free and, you know, whatever it is, like these overarching generalities. And so the way that I talk about it is it's almost like you're at a rock concert and it's so loud. And the way that you're trying to communicate with people is you're just trying to shout across <laughs> across the audience at someone to get someone's attention. But there's so much noise already that they're not going to be able to hear you. And so the counterintuitive thing is you need to go get up r- literally right next to them and you have to whisper in their ear. And, you, and it's going to be quiet because it's going to be very specific, but that's the only way that they're going to be able to actually hear you and pay attention to you outside of all of the racket that's going on inside of the concert. So 
uh, you know, for me, it's, I, I didn't start off having a very specific niche. I've created more and more clarity and more specificity around who I want to work with in large part derived from my experiences and my story, uh, as, as someone who started in corporate realized that they didn't like it and then wanted to go do something else. Um, cause it gives me a level of credibility in talking to those people because, Hey, I know you, I was you, I went through what you went through, uh, and therefore I'm credible to, you know, support you and, um, you know, help you through that transition into getting what you want. Um, it also makes it much easier to speak from an emotional perspective about here's what I know to be true about your experience. And when you can do that online, when you can create a piece of content that speaks very specifically to an emotional experience that someone is having and is also contextually aware of what they believe to be true about themselves in the world, that's when someone reads it and goes, holy shit, like this guy knows exactly what I'm going through. And therefore I need to learn more about what he does. I need to learn, I need to get inside his community. I need to get on his email list. I need to get whatever it is versus like, you know, a piece of content that says like, Hey, I help you live a better life. Who am I speaking to? Who is that actually for? Who, like, who's that gonna, you know, create enough energy inside of for them to actually take the next step with you. So all that to say, didn't start off with it. Definitely start off started off with being way more general than not and have clarified based on who I like working with and my own story. So as you're clarifying, you know, you're going through these experiences, you're working with clients, what were the what were the things or the the feelings maybe or the yeah, the like what are what were the things you were looking for to make that change of like okay, and now I'm going to go more down this road like what were those things were you looking for certain things or was it just over time that these things kept becoming a trend of like oh this is really really awesome i want to keep moving towards this whatever the specificity was yeah great question so i think it's actually both so i think one is i really have like consistently sat down and asked myself what really excites me about the people that i work with and who really excites me in terms of the people that I work with? Because if I'm not sincerely excited about what my clients are working on, I'm just not going to be as involved. I just won't be as committed to serving this person. And I think it's a natural, I think that's a natural human tendency. If I really love what you're doing, I'm putting more energy into it. I'm showing up more authentically. I'm showing up, you know, more as myself. And that's not to say that I can't create value for people who I'm not excited about, but like as a business owner and someone <laughs> who is, you know, really harping on this get paid to be you um, idea, it's also in my best interest to create a business and a set of clients that I really love working with. Cause that's what I want to create is every week. I'm so excited about who I'm getting on the phone with and what my clients are up to. So part of it has been this active reflection of who do I enjoy working with and what do I like talking about? And then the second piece to your point was like, some things have just hit me. Not, not necessarily that I was sitting down and trying to come up with an answer with, but it just kind of smacked me across the face. So, you know, one thing, for example, is like level of commitment for my clients. So in coaching, I'm not a consultant. I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you what you should be doing, which for some people can be sort of confronting and is not necessarily what they need um, because it means that as the client, it's, it's your responsibility to ask for the coaching that you need and lead the conversation. 
uh, and not everyone's there yet, nor is everyone, you know, committed to creating um, that kind of experience for themselves or taking advantage of that experience in that way. And so one thing that kind of smacked me across the face was realizing that I need to be really clear about the people who I'm working with and who are hiring me as far as what is your level of commitment to creating the things that you want to create, regardless of who you work with. Because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like if you're, if you're a six out of 10 or a seven out of 10, it, it doesn't make sense for us to work together because I'm not going to be able to support you as best as I can, nor are you going to get the most out of this experience that you possibly could. So the realization was, oh, I actually need to like filter for this and have this conversation with people and, and actually make this an intentional part of how I talk to people and how I talk to prospective clients and when I create content and that sort of thing. So the commitment piece has become something that I wasn't consciously looking for, but is now a really important part of how I relate to my audience and how I relate to my potential clients. How do you, for yourself as a coach, stay consistent um, and, and, and not just consistent, but patient through all of this? Because you see so many other people succeeding, like, how do you stay patient on building your audience and your specific audience? Remember, like, that's the other thing is it's like, it's easy to look at these other people and say, wow, look at this millions of followers. But it's like, that's not the audience that you're trying to serve. So how do you stay grounded with the audience that you specifically, Hayden, are trying to serve and stay patient with building that out? Totally. So for me, it's one really caring sincerely about the work that I do, the people that I serve, and the content that I create. It's it's how do I get to the point with my content and the things that I'm setting up online where even if no one was looking at it, I would still enjoy the process of creating it because I felt like I was expressing a part of myself that just naturally feels good. It feels good to me to write these things, get these things down on paper. It helps me understand it. It helps me, you know, be able to categorize and articulate. So it's actually making sure that the work that I'm doing, I sincerely care about it because without that, none, nothing else matters. Any systemization, any automation, any strategy, it, none of it matters. Like you will, and I have, fallen out of practice with it. I just won't do it because I don't care enough to do it. So that's the first important thing. The second thing is looking at how do I make it um, feel, uh, uh, some, sometimes I have fallen into this thing where it feels like a chore. So how do I get away from that experience as much as possible? And how do I actually structure the creation of those things so that it's as easy and as seamless and as productive as possible? So stuff like batching content. Like literally sitting down and being like, hey, I'm going to write four to five to six, however many posts at one time, because then I get in the zone, I get in the flow. It's so much easier to like stay focused on that one task of just writing and creating content versus like every day I got to like, all right, okay, get ready to sit down. It's like, all right, what am I going to talk about today? And then the next day, same thing. Like, all right, like, what am I going to talk about today? It just feels reactive versus me intentionally and proactively setting time aside to be able to batch stuff. Um, I think the other thing too is looking at like what's where are the the mediums or the venues where I enjoy showing up. It doesn't feel like work. So podcasts, for example, live streams, 
does not feel like work to me. I could do this literally all day. I could go and like talk about the work that I do and why I love the people that I serve and like why I think it's important literally all day. And this is all content that I like literally as we're talking right now, I have this um, application running in the background. It's called otter.ai. Oh, I love otter. Yeah, yeah that's so what I'm I use to transcribe this. So you're good. Nice. Yeah, I'm literally doing the exact same thing right now. I'm like transcribing as I'm talking because I'm like, oh, this could be really valuable content that I could just then reshare and you know put other places. Same thing with live stream. I love doing live stream. I love I love being on video, and I think that the my personality and the way that I show up best is on video. Like I think it helps people connect with me, you know, more easily, um, and especially live stream because it's like um, I think it's really easy to build trust through live stream when it's you know when it's live video. Um, but yeah, the third point is just what are the avenues or the vehicles that um you know i can use for content delivery that don't you know feel like a chore so caring about who i'm serving and what i'm talking about like systemizing and and uh you know strategizing and batching my content and then third just taking a look at like where do i actually want to show up or what's fun for me to create from a content perspective as we end the podcast we will finish with a segment called open mic we are going to end each episode by giving the guests a space to share about anything that is on their mind, more advice, or anything else that could be off-brand. The thing that's really like been coming up for me recently is this idea of worthiness and how, how much I care about supporting other people in realizing and recognizing how their own sense of unworthiness is getting in the way of the things that they want. And it's so interesting because it's, it's a total fabrication, this idea that there's anything wrong with you or anything that makes you inherently unworthy of what you want. It's a total fabrication. It's a total story. It's an interpretation. It's, it, it's there for a lot of people, but we pick it up as a result of conditioning. It's not inherent in our nature. It's inherent in the community and in the culture. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people go through their entire lives believing that they're unworthy of the experiences that they want to create for themselves, which is a tragedy. Because um, I think that and I'm actually getting goosebumps talking about this, like the whole point of being here and the whole point of having this experience is you getting to live as freely and as authentically as possible. And that doesn't actually happen if you feel like you're unworthy of what you want or if you feel like you're unworthy of taking up space. Um, it's something that I have historically struggled with that I still struggle with. And I still you know, come across these places where I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that you know, me feeling unworthy was actually playing into this, uh, you know, particular thing or like how I relate to the clients that I want to work with or how large I want to build my business or the the kind of following that I want to create. It's like there's a ceiling on the results that you can create for yourself. And that ceiling is directly related to your own sense of worthiness. So um, I have really been doing a lot of work for myself around that and wanting to more openly share about how that comes up. Um, cause it's totally human and it's so common. It's so, so, so common for people. Um, and I think step one is awareness. So step one is just realizing like, oh, Hey, here's where it comes up for me. And then step two is just actively practicing, picking something different. Once you're aware of it and you know how it impacts your life and how it might be impeding your life, you get the opportunity to, in each new moment, decide, do I want to empower these, these old beliefs that have me feeling unworthy, you know, or do I want to empower? power something else that 
uh, is more loving and is more compassionate and um, has me winning and, and feeling like I'm supposed to be here. This conversation with Hayden gave me a lot of insight into how to find my target audience and what to create to build my online presence. You can listen to Hayden on his podcast, Paid to Be Me, and follow him on LinkedIn. If you need coaching, you can always get started on his website. All of the links to find Hayden will be in the show notes. Thank you, Hayden, for being on the show. If you like this show, tweet me at Matthew Gutozzi. And if you really love this show, drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or your podcast listening app. And I will talk to you next week. This podcast is presented by Gatozi Collective. We are a marketing agency in Austin, Texas that teaches entrepreneurs how to create content and market their businesses. We can do the marketing for you or teach you how to do it yourself. Are you in need of a logo? We have a team of creatives to help you with all your marketing and design needs. You can reach out to us by emailing us at hello at or visit us online at our website, gatozicollective.com. We hope that you enjoyed the show and we'll see you in the next episode.